Three Long Story Time with Bryson and Mommy. And today we're reading the book called Peter Pan. By J.M. Barry. So we're picking up, remember this is a chapter book. So we already read three chapters. And now we're going to do the next three. We're going to pick up the next amount. Now, can we talk about what happened in the last couple chapters? Um, Peter breaks through. Peter breaks through, and what ha what does that mean? What it, what was he doing when he's breaking through? Um, he jumped out a window. Okay. And came into the house. Okay, and we've talked about how Wendy and her um, brothers dream about Peter Pan or talk about Peter Pan, and how their mom, Mrs. Darling, has kind of figured it out, and he's come through the window, and what was it, what did he, what did he lose that he came looking for in shadow. Wendy's nursery? His shadow. And how did Wendy help attach that shadow back on? Sewing it. Sewing it. Okay, so we're, sewing it. so we're picking back up, and we're going to do chapter four of Kisses and Fairies, and whenever it's time to turn the page, you're going to hear this. So of kisses and fairies. Wendy was shocked at Peter's crowing. You are so stuck up, she sneered. Of course you think I did nothing. You did a little, Peter said carelessly and continued to dance. A little, she scoffed. If I am of no use, I can at least withdraw. And she sprang in the most grand way into bed and covered her face with the blankets. To try to get her to look up, Peter pretended to be going away. When this did not work, he sat on the end of the bed and tapped her gently with his foot. Wendy, he said, don't be angry. I can't help crowing. Wendy, when I'm pleased with myself. Still, she would not look up, though she was listening eagerly. Wendy, one girl is more use than 20 boys. Do you really think so, Peter? She asked in her most pitiful voice. Yes, I do. I think that's perfectly sweet of you, she declared. And I'll get up again. She sat with him on the side of the bed. She also said that she would give him a kiss if he liked, but Peter did not know what she meant, and he held out his hand, expecting something. Surely you know what a kiss is, she asked, astonished. I shall know when you give it to me, he replied curtly. Wendy did not want to hurt his feelings, so she gave him a thimble. Now, said he, shall I give you a kiss? Wendy replied with a slight primness, if you please. She turned her face toward him, but he merely dropped an acorn button into her hand. She slowly returned her face to where it had been before and said nicely that she would wear his kiss on the chin around her neck. It was lucky that she did put it on that chain for later it would save her life. Wendy wondered how old Peter might be and so she asked him his age. I don't know, he answered uneasily, but I'm quite young. You see, I ran away the day I was born. It was because I heard father and mother talking about what I was to be when I became a man. He was very upset now. I don't want to ever be a man, he said. I want always to be a little boy and to have fun. So I ran away to Kensington Gardens and lived a long, long time among the fairies. 
Wendy was very impressed. Peter thought it was because he had run away, but it was really because he knew fairies. Wendy had lived at home all her life and had not been many places. She thought that it would be lovely to know a fairy. She began asking Peter loads of questions about them. Peter was surprised at this, for fairies were always getting in the way, and so on. Indeed, he sometimes had to give them a rap on the head. What's a rap on the head? Like a tap, like a poop, like hit them in the head. Do you think, uh, why do you think that Peter doesn't know what a kiss is? Because he's unschooled. <laughs> because he's unschooled. Well, if he doesn't have a mommy and a daddy, and he only lives with boys, do you think he's being taught things? No. That's what unschooled is. Remember how I always tell you how I'm trying to teach you how to be a good human being? Mm-hmm. No one's around teaching Peter how to be a good human being, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Still, he liked them on the whole, and he told her about the beginning of fairies. You see, Wendy, when the first baby laughed for the first time, its laugh broke into a thousand pieces, and they all went skipping about, and that was the beginning of fairies. Peter was bored talking of fairies, but Wendy, being a stay-at-home, liked it. And so he went on sweetly, there ought to be one fairy for every boy and girl. Ought to be? Isn't there? No. You see, children know a lot now. They soon don't believe in fairies. Every time a child says, I don't believe in fairies. There is a fairy somewhere that falls down dead. Really, he thought they had now talked enough about fairies and it struck him that Tinkerbell was keeping very quiet. I can't think where she's gone to, he said, rising, and he called Tink by name. Wendy's heart fluttered with excitement. Peter, she cried, you don't mean to tell me that there is a fairy in this room. She was here just now, he said. You don't hear her, do you? And they both listened. The only sound I hear, said Wendy, is like a tinkle of bells. Well, that's Tink, and that's the fairy language. I think I hear her too. She's called Tinkerbell because she's a tinker. She fixes the pots and kettles. The sound came from the chest of drawers. Peter made a merry face and giggled like a child. Wendy, he whispered gleefully, I do believe I shut her up in the drawer. He let poor Tink out of the drawer, and she flew about the nursery, screaming with fury. You shouldn't say such things, Peter scolded. Of course I'm very sorry, but how could I have known that you were in the drawer? Oh, Peter, Wendy cried, if she would only stand still and let me see her. They hardly ever stand still, he said, but for one moment, Wendy saw the little figure come to rest on the cuckoo clock. Oh, the lovely, she cried, though Tink's face was still very angry. Tink, said Peter kindly, this lady says that she wishes you were her fairy. Tinkerbell answered rudely. What does she say, Peter? He had to translate. She is not very polite. She says you are a great ugly girl and that she is my fairy. Peter looked sternly at the fairy. You have bad manners, Tink. To this, Tinkerbell replied, you silly nincompoop, and she disappeared into the bathroom. She is quite a rude fairy, Peter explained. All right, next chapter, chapter five, come away, come away. 
They were together in the armchair now, and Wendy asked him many more questions. If you don't live in Kensington Gardens now, sometimes I do still, but where do you live mostly now? With the Lost Boys. Who are they? They are the children who fall out of their carriages in the park when the nurse is not looking. If they are not claimed in seven days, they are sent far away to the Neverland. I'm Captain. What fun it must be. Wendy then asked Peter why he came to the window in the first place. He told her it was to hear the stories Mrs. Darling told. You see, none of the Lost Boys knew any stories. Oh, Wendy, your mother was telling you such a lovely story. A story about the prince who couldn't find the lady who wore the glass slipper. Peter, said Wendy excitedly, that was Cinderella, and he found her, and they lived happily ever after. Peter was so glad that he jumped up and hurried to the window. Where are you going, she cried, to tell the other boys. Don't go, Peter, she pleaded. I know such a lot of stories. Oh, the stories I could tell to the boys. Peter grabbed her and began to draw her toward the window. Wendy, do come with me and tell the other boys. Of course, she was very pleased to be asked. But she said, oh, dear, I can't. Think of my mother. Oh, mummy, she would miss me so. Besides, I can't fly. I'll teach you how to jump on the wind's back, and then away we go, said Peter. Ooh, she exclaimed. There are mermaids, Peter said. Mermaids? With tails? Such long tails. Oh, cried Wendy. I would love to see a mermaid. She was so excited that she danced about as if she were having trouble remaining on the nursery floor. It was quite as if she might float away on her own. Peter, would you teach John and Michael to fly too, she begged. If you like, he said. She ran to John and Michael and shook them. Wake up, she cried. Peter Pan has come to teach us to fly. John rubbed his eyes. Then I shall get up, he said. Hello. What's this about flying? Michael woke up too and asked what the excitement was about. Peter suddenly whispered for them to be quiet. Always a still assault. Nana, who'd been barking all evening, was quiet now. Something was up. And this is just a picture. What's happening in this picture? What is Wendy doing? Um, he's waking Michael up. Michael and John, Michael right? Michael and John. Okay, so then the next page has the words again. Out with the light! Hide! Quick! cried John. And so, when Liza entered, holding Nana, the nursery seemed quite its old self, very dark and very quiet. Liza was in a bad temper. There, you silly dog, she said. They're perfectly safe, aren't they? Every one of the little angels is sound asleep in bed. Listen to their gentle breathing. Indeed, the three angels were really standing behind the window curtains. Michael breathed so loudly that they were nearly found out. Nana knew that kind of breathing, and she tried to drag herself out of Liza's arms. No more of it, Nana. Liza said sternly, pulling her out of the room. I warn you, if you bark again, I shall go straight for Master and Mrs. and bring them home from the party, and then, oh, won't Master punish you? She tied the unhappy dog up outside again. But do you think Nana stopped barking? Bring Master and Mrs. home from the party. Why, that was just what Nana wanted. Do you think she cared whether she punished? She was punished so long as the children were safe. She barked even louder.
That's what dogs do, right? That's what Mojo does. If you think there was a strange boy in here, do you think you think if there was a strange boy that flew into your window that Mojo would not bark? He will. He would. He would mark he would bark a lot. But Liza paid no attention. Nana, seeing that no help would come, strained at the chain until at last she broke it. In another moment, Nana had burst into the dining room of number 27 and flung up her paws. Mr. and Mrs. Darling knew at once that something terrible was happening in their nursery. Without a goodbye to their hostess, they rushed into the street. But it was now 10 minutes since three naughty children had been breathing behind the curtains, and Peter Pan can do a great deal in 10 minutes. We now return to the nursery. It's all right, John announced, coming out from the hiding place. I say, Peter, can you really fly? Instead of troubling to answer him, Peter flew around the room, performing cartwheels in midair. How topping, said John and Michael. How sweet, cried Wendy. Yes, I'm sweet. Oh, I am sweet, said Peter, forgetting his manners again. It looked delightfully easy, and they tried it first from the floor and then from the beds, but they always went down instead of up. I say, how do you do it, asked John, rubbing his knee. Fairy dust, of course, Peter said, for no one can fly unless the fairy dust has been blown on him. As we told you earlier, one of his hands was messy with fairy dust, and he blew some on each of them. The results were most superb. Now just wiggle your shoulders this way, he said, and let go. They were all on their beds. They dared Michael to let go first, and all at once he had flown across the room. I flewed, he screamed. While still in midair, John let go and meet, met Wendy near the bathroom. Oh, lovely. Oh, ripping. Look at me, look at me, look at me. They were not merely so elegant as Peter. They could not help kicking a little and their heads were knocking against the ceiling. Up and down they went and round and round. I say, cried John, why shouldn't we all go out? Mommy's back now. Michael was ready. He wanted to see how long it took him to do a billion miles, but Wendy hesitated. Mermaids, said Peter again. Ooh, and there are pirates. Pirates, cried John, grabbing his Sunday hat. Let us go at once. It was just at this moment that Mr. and Mrs. Darling and Nana arrived outside the door of number 14. From the street, they could see four shadows flying around the nursery. Quick as lightning, they opened the door and rushed upstairs, but it was too late. When the Darlings and Nana arrived at the nursery door, the window was open and the children and Peter had flown away into the night. Mm. You want to do one more? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is chapter six. Chapter six. Second to the right and straight on till morning. That, Peter had told Wendy, was the way to the Neverland. But even birds could not have found it with these instructions. Peter, you see, had just said anything that came into his head. At first, they all had a smashing good time, flying in great circles in the air. John and Michael raced, Michael getting a head start. They told one another that they were superb flyers, even though they had only learned to fly just a short while ago. Sometimes it was dark and sometimes light, and now they were very, very cold and then too warm. Did they really feel hungry at times, or were they...
way the smoke or were they merely pretending? It seemed that they had been flying for days, but maybe it had only been a few hours. Indeed, the three children were not sure of the time, nor did they seem to care. They had a wonderful time playing follow the leader, swooping down to touch shark fins in the ocean or zooming up to play tag with the stars. Finally, Peter cried in his captain voice, we get off here. Below them was Neverland. Where, where, the children cried at once, where all the arrows are pointing. Indeed, a million golden arrows were pointing it out to the children, all directed by their friend, the sun, who wanted them to be sure of their way before leaving them for the night. Wendy and John and Michael stood on tiptoe in the air to get the first sight of the island. Strange to say, they all recognized it at once. John, there's the lagoon, said Wendy. Wendy, look at the turtles burying their eggs in the sand. I say, John, I see the smoke of the engine camp. Where? Show me. I'll tell you by the way the smoke curls if they're on their warpath. There, just across the mysterious river. I see now. Yes, they are on the warpath right enough, said John. The island seemed scary to them in the coming darkness. They had been flying apart, but they huddled close to Peter now. His eyes were sparkling, and a tingle went through the children every time they touched his body. They were now over the fearsome island, flying so low that sometimes a tree touched their feet. Peter put his hand to his ear and listened carefully. He was not afraid of anything. Would you like an adventure now, he said to John, or would you like to have your tea first? What kind of adventure, John asked carefully. There's a pirate asleep in the forest just beneath us, Peter told him. If you like, we'll go down and get him. Suppose, John said a little timidly, he were to wake up. Peter spoke angrily. You don't think I would hurt him while he was sleeping. I would wake him first and then get him. That's the way I always do. John said, how ripping, but decided to have his tea first. He asked if there were many pirates on the island just now, and Peter said that there had been so many. Who is captain now? Hook, answered Peter, and his face became very stern as he said he hated that word. Oh, what are they doing here in the picture? Um, there's a pirate sleeping in there. Can they kill him? I don't know if they're going to kill him. They might get him. What are they doing right now in the picture? They're flying. They're up. flying. Okay, next page. James Hook? I. Then indeed, Michael began to cry, and even John could speak in gulps only, for they knew that Hook was evil. He was Blackbeard's boatswain, John whispered. He is the worst of them all. That's him, said Peter. What's he like? Is he big? He is not as big as he was. How do you mean? I cut off a bit of him, Peter bragged. But I say, what bit? John asked. His right hand. Then he can't fight now? Oh, can't he just? He just has an iron hook instead of a right hand, and he claws with it. Claws, Michael cried. I say, John, said Peter. Yes. Say, aye, aye, sir. Aye, aye, sir. There is one thing, Peter continued, that every boy who serves under me has to promise, and so must you. John grew pale. 
It is this. If we meet Hook in an open fight, you must leave him to me. I promise, John said with relief. Tinkerbell was flying out in quick circles, which lit their faces nicely. Tink tells me, said Peter, that the pirates sighted us before the darkness came and got Long Tom out. The big gun? Yes, of course, and they must see Tink's light. If they guess we're near it, they are sure to fight the cannon at us. Tell her to go away, uh, away at once, Peter, the three cried at once, but he would not. She thinks we have lost the way, he replied, and she's frightened. You don't think I would send her away all by herself when she's frightened? For a moment, the circle of light was broken, and something gave Peter a loving little pinch. Then tell her, Wendy begged, to put out her light. She can't put it out. That is about the only thing fairies can't do. It just goes out by itself. When she falls asleep, same as the stars. Then tell her to sleep at once, John almost ordered. She can't sleep except for when she's sleepy. It's the only other thing fairies can't do. Seems to me, John growled, these are the only two things worth doing. Here he got a pinch, but not a loving one. If only one of us had a pocket, Peter said. We could carry her in it. However, they had set off in such a hurry that there was not a pocket between the four of them. Peter had a happy idea. John's hat. Tink agreed to travel by hat if it was carried in the hand. Peter, or Wendy took the hat, and this, as we shall see, led to mischief, for Tinkerbell had hoped to be carried by Peter, and she was already quite jealous of Wendy. In the black top hat, her light was completely hidden, and they flew on in silence. It was the stillest silence they had ever known. If only something would make a sound, Michael cried, as if, in answer to his request, the most tremendous crash he had ever heard filled the air. The pirates had fired Long Tom at them. The roar of his great cannon echoed through the mountains. All of the children were scattered in the air by the blast. When everything was quiet again, they called to one another. Are you shot? John whispered in a shaky voice. I haven't checked yet, Michael whispered back. We know now that no one had been hit. Peter, however, had been carried by the wind of the shot far out to sea while Wendy was blown upward with Tinkerbell. It would have been better for Wendy if it, at that moment she had dropped the hat. You see, Tink hated Wendy with all of her heart. She was jealous because Peter liked Wendy so much and brought the silly girl to Neverland to join the adventures. The naughty fairy began to lead Wendy away from the others into the darkness. She began to speak to Wendy and dart about her head. What she said in her lovely tinkle, Wendy could not understand. I believe some of it was bad words, but it sounded kind. She flew back and forward, plainly meaning, follow me, and all will be well. What else could poor Wendy do? She called to Peter and John and Michael and got only her echoes in reply. She did not yet know that Tink hated her with a fierce hatred, and so, scared and confused, she followed Tink to her doom. What's doom? Doom, like something bad's going to happen. All right. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. We'll do the next chapters another day. Okay. Have a great night. Have a great night. Bye.